And it looks like uh, this may be it. Uh, Alex is under the weather, and Josh uh, is working. And speaking and, of XJet, uh, there he is. And there's XJet. He's, uh, <laughs> we hope XJet has a, a copy of the uh, PEA FRIA document uh, printed out. It's only 109 pages, plus the uh, several pages from the Federal Registry. Yeah, Bruce, okay. I was trying to remember who I... I was quoting somebody saying that as soon as you put a remote ID module on your drone, the environmental impacts go away. Um, and I couldn't remember if that was you who had recently said that or if it was somebody else. But... So, Josh left us three articles to look at. I'd like to go through those and yeah. uh, then chat a little bit about the PEA uh, FRIA. So, no Josh tonight? It's uh, no Josh, no me Alex, and Alex you is... and Blunty and Alex. Alex is under the weather. He is, you know. So normally you think, well, you know, a young guy is it must be out uh, partying his brains out, but no, he was off getting a fourth place in the uh, collegiate uh, competition for FPV drone racing. So congratulations to Alex and uh, Georgia Tech. Let me uh, make sure that I ha that I have this right. Did, uh, oh dear, what did uh, what did Alex? What? There yeah, he posted some information for us on our Discord server, right? Georgia Tech won second, uh, or one? Pardon me, one for a second year of the row, a row, and this is the multi-GP uh, collegiate championships that happened this past weekend, and an individual Lou FPV from Virginia Tech has become the new collegiate champion. And next week, Mayhem, located in where is Lo where is it going to be? Do, 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 Mayhem. That's us. in Texas. Or, or am I thinking of a different race? Yep. No, you're you're absolutely right. It is in Carlington, Texas, and it is next week. That would be April 14th through 16th, so another multi-GP event. And if I remember 12 right, hours of racing. Yeah, Mayhem, they race as a team for 12 hours and see who can do the most laps kind of thing. And didn't yes. Alex also say it was going to be live-streamed on the multi-GP YouTube channel? He did. That's, he a, did. that's a very long live-stream <laughs> if you want to catch the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, so, so you know, like if you're into watching, like... Uh, Lamon or something like that, maybe this could be for you. Or start it halfway through and play it back at two times speed and catch up right at the end. <laughs> there you go. Welcome, Rob. How are you? Hope you're feeling better. And you're, you're on muted. muted. <laughs> and then it'll come back and say, you know, Thought I was hitting the unmute button, and it was looks like it was the leave button. <laughs> Not that I've ever done that myself. No, wrong would. button. Nobody would do that. <laughs> yeah, wrong, yeah. wrong button. <laughs> yeah, we've been there. We've been there. Good evening. All right. So uh, let's see. I'm a little a uh, little short on sleep. Up at four this morning, having <clears throat> having a having a ball. Uh, my son, daughter in-law and grandson are with us uh, so that is a uh, it, it is a fantastic event to lose sleep uh, for the benefit of your grandson so 
Uh, been a, then uh, working under a uh, F-150 in my son's car, so uh, uh, doing some good father-son bonding, uh, working on vehicles as well. So for me, a fantastic week. But that means I've uh, not been studying the news for a lot of uh, news articles. So Josh is working, and uh, he's uh, shared three articles with us. Uh, the first he sent us, let's see, okay, so I've got this up on, let's see, so I have to figure out how to share this, right? Share your screen. All right, it was an exceedingly slow one. week in FPV. <laughs> Did yeah. you guys have trouble filling in the, the news this week with Joshua? Yes. Okay, yeah. going live. I even went back to like look at a year ago and see what happened a year ago, and even with that, we we ended 10 minutes early. Oh, wow. There's just nothing to talk about. So <laughs> You didn't want, you didn't, you know, spend days talking about the uh, Freya P? Unfortunately, right, so... uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so Dan, Dan, please help me. I have, I'm showing the one, or I'm sharing a screen. Yep, I can see your and web browser, I'm... and I see okay. how the FAA is killing drone innovation. Right. Yep. Is is there anything else I need to do to share this to with the folks? No, you're good. People can That's tune good. in to okay. that screen there. All right, thank you very much. Okay, so this uh, this is Paul. So one of the things that you know, being a good uh, uh, researcher, I quick look always look at the date first. This is dated <laughs> 2016. I'm like, Josh, Josh, what did you send this to us? So he's you know a good sense of humor. So it does, uh, this goes on and on about Disney. And so I'm like, you know, to me, if something is uh, in market research, if something is more than six months old these days, it's like, yeah, uh, ancient history. Okay. So it is interesting to note that in 2016, we were saying the things were, uh, were going to be bad. Uh, and uh, that uh, we're going to see more, more regulations and more restrictions. And uh, part 107 was pretty new back then so yeah couldn't get uh couldn't get uh, all thrilled about that one next article was uh a little more interesting to me faa enlists white box in an effort to protect airports from drones this is a great uh u.s company out on the west coast um uh, luke fox is the ceo a bunch of really bright uh folks uh in this company uh, military contracts and so this is a great uh, company in terms of, oh, you want to get into the drone industry? Uh, these folks are making that happen. Uh, now, they're working on counter UAS and uh, uh, countermeasures as well. So it's, uh, it's detection as well as countermeasures. Uh, this article does not go into a lot of detail. It does say that there are uh, two programs uh, happening. One's in uh, Atlantic City, Jersey, and the other is in Seattle. So... Um, what we and what we're uh, seeing uh, more frequently is that the uh, the FAA is doing a lot more monitoring with other agencies, and the FAA and Rob can attest to this is uh, doing quite a bit on uh, educating and pushing out their law enforcement assistance program, and so that that's uh, very visible. So this is happening. Good company. FAA is uh, working with. Uh, uh, with White Fox, you know, we may not love what the what White Fox uh, makes or does, but it's a, it's a great group of people. Um, 
brilliant engineers and they're producing U.S. product uh, for drones. And it's a lot of micro technology, good, good industry. You know, so if you're a double A mechanical engineer, aeronautical engineer, this is a, this is a cool area. Okay. Any thoughts around the room on this? Uh, not in general. I know there's a bunch of different ways that these companies have been taking down, taking down drones in these cases. Uh, one way I had seen was like a little, essentially like a fold-out trailer. You put like a wall thing up and it basically shoots out microwave bursts. Uh, uh, they use like uh, GANFETs and like do use like super high amp and use these little microwave bursts to block. Uh, to, to blast the drones out of the air. And they could target precision individual drones in the air versus like Jeez. avoiding other drones that they want to keep up. Wow. Uh, but I know there's a bunch of different methods they have for this kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of physical methods too. If you, um, you know, looking, looking at the research, they have, they've used hawks, they've used net guns, all kinds of things, yeah. really with no efficacy, but it's kind of a novelty to see. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm getting over COVID. Excuse me. <clears throat> but it, it's interesting yeah, I, to see a lot of things that they're using. Uh, but yeah, you know, like Blunty said, though, they have the, the electromagnetic type, the MP stuff too. So definitely a lot of options there. Yeah. Yeah, this is, uh, this is going to be interesting. It'd be and kind of fun it, to we've... be one of the people testing it, like get out your FPV drone and fly around and see how well their, their systems can, can take it out of the sky. But other than that, yeah. So the interesting thing about all this tech that's being sold, though, is uh, you can legally buy it, but you can't legally use it. There's only a handful of federal yeah. entities that are allowed to actually take aircraft out of the sky. If one of us does it, it's a felony. Yeah, Good it's point. like a jamming rule, right? I think. Or, it's, uh, I there's it's, several things. It's, it's like hijacking. Yeah. It's the FCC wiretap. There's several regulations yeah. that it falls under. Really yeah. good point. Really good point. Yeah, this is not a game to play at home. Well, no, yeah. definitely. Yeah. CB Runner, are you All saying right. our drones are not real aircraft? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, well, for instance, that that microwave tech is specifically designed to be like they can target range, direction, like distance, like all kinds of different things with the way they can do this microwave tech. It's really crazy to watch. Like uh, the testing I saw put up like eleven drones, and they took like six of them out and left the other five up. And it like didn't even affect the local drones there. So I think you can pretty safely do that stuff around aircraft, depending on like where it's positioned yeah. and stuff. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, because I know a lot of the the uh, RF counter counter stuff was uh, you know, oh great, you've just taken down you know every drone yes. in the area. Yeah, well, and and it's also things like blast microwave bots. Yeah, only if you're a federal also... agent, ex-gent. <clears throat> There's also a difference between like, you know, blasting it out of the sky by stopping the RF to it so that it has to land and then literally knocking it out of the sky because you're messing with the electronics and it can't fly anymore, you know. Right. So. Right. Yeah, and, and what's the hazard as it falls out of the sky? Right. All right. Okay. So on a on a brighter note, uh, our last article is uh so um we've had the um the privilege of working with a number of uh, Google Wing uh, people. Uh, we've worked with uh, Tony Nanini, one of the uh, program managers and engineers on the uh, uh, Wing program. We've had the uh, privilege of working with James Ryan Burgess, uh, former CEO of uh, Google Wing, and uh, this is a this is an amazing uh, organization. 
And uh, so Adam Wadsworth, the current uh, CEO of Google Wing, testified to Congress. And uh, as is uh, as frequently happens, and we also saw Kathy Cahill, uh, another uh, uh, luminary in the industry. Kathy is a professor at University of Alaska Fairbanks and uh, uh, PhD, I believe, in chemistry of all things, and a wonderful uh, woman. And they both uh, took questions that were uh, pedestrian, shall we say. It's the nicest way I can come up with it. And they came back with uh, answers and comments and testimony that was absolutely on point. Uh, the, the commentary toward the FAA uh, this year, much more so than in 2016 and 2017, prior to the 2018 FAA reauthorization, is, is scathing. And so they are, there are recommendations for reorganizing the FAA, make it more effective, uh, and underscoring uh, that it is not effective. So Google Wing has uh, uh, had, they've been working on a type certification for their uh, delivery aircraft for years. And uh, as Adam Wad, uh, Woodsworth said, you know, they're, they're, they're into it, but they're not done. So there's a, still a lot of work. And so this is what's happening. This is the same lament that um, Amazon Prime uh, had uh, as they were you know, laying a lot of their folks off. That uh, their biggest problem was that the, uh, their type certification process is taking years for a, uh, um, a UAS uh, aircraft in, uh, in the delivery space. Yeah, so through here... By comparison, our request update the registration requirements to one kilogram instead of 250 grams is like a super easy, tiny thing for them to do compared to the requests everyone else is asking of, of uh, the Reauthorization Act. Yeah, yeah, well said. I also yeah. was really liked how the guy from Google Wing started off talking about how he got into aviation by being a model aircraft pilot. He takes his, I think, daughters out flying on the weekends all the time and really played up the whole like recreational aspect of it before he got into the commercial side of Google Wing. So I think more and more people need to say things like that and make sure Congress, make sure the FAA employees hear that over and over and over again. Yeah, virtually everyone uh, we talk to in the aviation in industry, manned or unmanned, yep. Started in model airplanes, started with drones, started with air aircraft as a kid. You're going to say, I would also, I'm sorry, I stepped on you. No, you're fine. I would also mention that, uh, you know, when you're talking about the type certification thing, you know, you might think like, well, I don't really care about a corporation getting type certification for a big drone because they're going to do delivery and they're taking over our skies anyway. And this is why we have remote ID and all those kind of things. But I tend to lean on the side of, uh, to me, I think we want, I want the process and everything to fail by its own merits. I don't want it to fail based on overregulation, BS permitting, uh, driving through different people through different government agencies, trying to figure out how to get through a mess to get a drone in the air. I think it should fail based on the viability of the technology, the demand from customers, the other impacts, like things like that. You know, not just so, because uh, the FAA can't I, do their job. <laughs> correct. Yeah. All right, and and type cert is um, relevant to us, and type cert effectively is the manufacturing process has to be completely auditable, is uh, 
and it has to pass a variety, the aircraft has to pass a variety of unknown tests, and it, it takes years. And so it's there is significant validity to us because, and those of us who are flying Part 107 or may have interest in flying beyond visual line of sight. Through beyond visual line of sight per the ARC, and so this is the Beyond Visual Line of Sight Aviation Rule Committee, the recommendations that we made suggested that there needs to be a higher level of training to fly long distance beyond visual line of sight. And everyone was agreeing that yes, it's going to require a type cert aircraft. And to me, that makes sense. It's 150 pounds, 200 pounds, and it's flying 100 miles away. Yep, makes sense. And I'm with Blunty completely needs to be you know, a much more transparent process, easier to happen. So uh, this is these testimonies are going on. This hour we've uh, sent in <clears throat> the, uh, the uh, two, two areas of uh, commentary. Uh, one was uh, uh, the uh, change the weight limit, uh, both on registration uh, as well as manufacturing requirements from 250 grams, change the lower limit or the lower bound from 250 grams to one kilogram. And the second was about, uh, we really would like a, a reasonable FRIA process. Speaking of reasonable uh, FRIA process, do we want to talk about the uh, FRIA or did you have something else first? No, I go ahead. I got one more news article real quick if we want to toss it out sure. there. Just because sure. I think we haven't mentioned it, and it might be a decent amount of uh, news there. It's in the general chat of the Discord there, Dave, if you want to grab it. That's assuming I can uh, I, I can technically do that. You got it. Well, you got well. it. Well, now we lost your browser window. Mm. It's okay. Right. Well, that um, was on the wrong screen. That was pointing to the wrong screen. So if I figure if I bring this one up. The chances of it getting back to it to this to the right screen were low. Let me try it again. Share your screen. It's quite a the rendering photo they've got in that thumbnail there for the article. Looks very impressive. Right. <laughs> it's a fleet. Okay. Have I got the correct article here? Chicago to debut to debut first commercial electric air taxi, right? Yep. That's it. Yeah, so this is Archer Aviation. Uh, this is the AAM that we were uh, talking about a little bit where some of this stuff has been pushed, right? Uh, I mean, that's kind of part of the goal, I would suggest, of the type certification stuff is going to be for AAM, too. Um, and Archer Aviation uh, is announcing with United Airlines that they're going to do the first air taxi route. At least they've announced the first air taxi route in the U.S., and I think it's the first one by an AAM company. So, <clears throat> yeah, they're going to do O'Hare to the Vertiport Chicago uh, so they can get people out of O'Hare Airport quite a bit faster. So the title yeah. says this is coming soon. Well, how soon is soon? Or 2025 like, is the goal. Of uh, having flights use it by 2025? Yes. I guess that's yeah, that'll be interesting to see. When you look at the when you look at that price point, hundred hundred and fifty dollars, that's within. You know, if you're if you rent a car for two days in uh, Illinois, they're easily easily in that magnitude. And uh, 
having had the pleasure of uh, rushing to the airport from downtown uh, Chicago out to O'Hare, uh, it can be a challenge. And of course, there is uh, uh, the DL. Uh, there's you know, public transportation, which is uh, pretty good, gets you right out to O'Hare. But this, to me, is a, a, a very well chosen uh, first market to try to go after. The, uh, the the volume of traffic is very high, and that price point you know, that will attract a lot of business people. They're like, yeah, get me to the airport. Hundred dollars. I was going to say business minutes. people. That's a little bit more expensive than a ride at Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it saves you, I think, what, an hour? Maybe if you're going to the same place, I think, by car. It's probably 45 minutes to an hour, I think, is what the article is saying. So There's also the what what's really critical uh, in O'Hare and Chicago is the uh, uh, are you going to get there? And so, you know, the drive is, uh, is, is so highly variable, <clears throat> like so many other uh, cities uh, in the U.S., depending on traffic. So it can take, you know, it's an hour drive. That's That's fine. Oh. It took me three hours the other day. Yeah, and that ha that happens you know, every other week. You know, it's pretty common. You know, you get one uh, one accident on one side, and you're 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 done. So yeah, missing a flight is uh, uh, it can be very expensive from a business perspective. Okay, stop streaming. Got it. It's okay, interestingly... so the last topic I had was this uh we started to talk about it um uh, as we were uh, signing on and the that is the programmatic environmental assessment for the FAA recognized identification area i got it p fria and so this is the FAA's attempt to give us a hand and help us out and I'm not so sure. Uh, there, I've, it's uh, just a, it's a, a brisk 109 pages. Um, it is as dense as uh, any of the remote ID uh, documentation or rules and its uh, uh, lack of uh, clarity and uh, ease of understanding. Um, so if anyone has any uh, insight into this, we would welcome it. What is the uh, elevator our view pitch is of that what this, this document? Is. Uh, we know that it is uh, any uh, federal agency is required to come up with something like this. Uh, this being an, an environmental uh, assessment to come out with a programmatic approach is uh, a piece of work that uh, the FAA did not have to do. They could simply have, have said, you need an environmental uh, statement, environmental impact statement, and just left it up to the CBOs. So by saying that there are a large number of categories that are uh, out of bounds and not, a, not an issue, and the FAA has declared that, that's a real plus. There are also uh, numerous uh, categories and topics where federal agencies need to get involved in a FRIA application. And... Uh, you know, yours truly would uh, suggest that that, uh, that requires uh, quite a bit uh, uh, of uh, additional time. So does this help explain and why... And I think I've frozen. Can you You're hear okay. us, Dave? We can see and hear you fine. But I don't think he can hear us anymore. <laughs> uh, 
Well, hopefully he will, yeah, disconnect and reconnect and get back in here quickly. I was going to mention it's kind of risky having him run the show. Disconnection. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. We're doing good, though. Uh, we can't, you know, we got to have at least one technical difficulty with Dave's computer every meeting or it wouldn't be a FPV Freedom Coalition meeting. Dave, can you hear us now? Well, while Dave's trying well, to reconnect, we're, we're, <laughs> yeah, I, I was just going to say that um, I assume that this FAA, this FRIA P thing is part of the reason why we haven't seen the FAA make any progress that we know of on approving FRIAs, because they've just announced this document. It's got a 30-day window for comments before it can go into effect, and then they, you know, it uh, affects what they do as far as approving FRIAs, right, Plenty? Yeah, um, it seems, you know, I think the real question here will be uh, how this is totally applied. I think when you read through this, I mean, you could consider, I don't know, the way it's written. Here's what I'll say. I don't know enough, and I was talking to Dave about this before. I don't know enough about how the FAA conducts environmental impact studies in other situations to do things like plant new airfields down and things like that. Because to me, this reads a lot like something that you would think of if you're doing an airport right they talk about like uh you know air pollution and noise and you know there's a set of things that can happen at all these locations that they're worried about my concern here would be if there's some kind of onus on them to like actually be you know am i gonna have to present information about what endangered species are on my freeo land am i gonna have to submit an air emission study about what is currently in the freeo or I'm going to have to mark the Freya as no gas planes, right? Like, I think there's, like, questions like that. Um, and, I, yeah, I don't necessarily know that I have an answer right now. We've been looking through this, trying to figure that stuff out. And I know Dave's been talking with uh, Little Red Alkali a little bit. And um, we're, we're kind of, you know, trying to do our due diligence here, trying to figure out exactly how this will be applied and how deep they'll be diving. Or is this a bunch of stuff they're putting on paper and the vetting won't be as deep as we're expecting. Yeah, no idea they could use it either way. I would be really surprised, but you could have an AMA field that suddenly can't be a FRIA because it doesn't meet some of these environmental requirements. Or the FAA will just say, oh, these have been AMA flying sites for decades. Obviously, the noise isn't an issue, yeah. and we're going to just rubber stamp it and approve it. You know, when I think about it, like cannabis regulations, you know, odor never mattered. Like we had odor regulations for cannabis where we were required to have offsets. We they were required to come out and measure like amounts of odor at the at the at the uh, road and stuff. And none of that just ever none of that ever happened. So, you know, I'll be interested to know if like I'm I believe the way it's written in Denver, you had to have some kind of odor impact uh, understanding when you put a building up but nobody ever cared about that or actually did anything with it so i'll be like i said i'll be curious to see how it's actually applied and what like because this isn't an airport it's literally a flying field for fixed wing or fpv right. you know multi-rotors things maybe like that. we'll start yeah. seeing this if we start we start to get emails from the faa on our free applications and they start asking us questions about it or maybe it's one of yeah. those things they don't do a whole lot with until there's a complaint after the fact and they'll bring up, oh, well, you know, you had to meet these requirements that we never asked you about and get you shut down. Forgive my ignorance because Alex isn't here, but do we know um, when you submit a free application, 
Uh, do you are you listing the person who's applying for the FRIA on any of the contact for the yeah. FAA? Yes. Yes. So, so my curious, I'm curious. The wording in here talks about the FRIA applicant. So I'm curious if they're going to be communicating with the CBOs and attempting to do a middleman deal, or if they're going to be contacting the applicant, you know, the listing contact information in the FRIA for this information, right? Yeah, I would guess they're going yeah. to the FRIA applicant themselves. Yeah. Yeah, there are. Uh, Dan, am I, can you hear me? Yep, okay. we can hear you. Excellent. Yep. Um, I'm loving the uh, uh, Discord uh, video service. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, Dave, it's... we were just generally we were generally saying like, uh, you know, we've been talking to different people. We've been trying to do an assessment of how da how bad this is, what effect this will actually have, how much this will stall FRIAs, and how much they'll actually be doing to vet each FRIA and like what information they'll actually be collecting. Like, will everybody need to submit an air quality study for their area? <laughs> you know, like, will right. I need to have like, well, I need to put drones on the field and then stand at the edges and measure the decibels with a meter. Right, like we don't know how deep this will go, and so I think there's right. a range of possibilities of how this will come out. And I think the problem yeah, think is that's... we have thirty, day, we have less than thirty days to comment on this, and we don't know necessarily what comments need to be made based on how this will be applied. I think that's something we're trying to suss out, right? Yeah, exactly. What very well said. Yeah, we yeah. and we've we've gotten to people that uh, that have explained to us that there, you know, after the thirty day comment period, there will be a sixty day period where uh, lawsuits may be uh, placed against the FAA uh, if if there is a view that a, a lawsuit is uh, appropriate. Uh, at, subsequent to that, uh, this can start to go into effect, it sounds like. So 90 days, you know, shortest period of time, because this is not a new rule. This is not an NPRM, yeah. not a notice for public rulemaking. This is a, um, an, uh, a document that points to a number of existing rules, and it's a programmatic uh, assessment. So this is you know, theoretically at our benefit. But uh, as uh, Blundy yeah. so rightly said, this this could be uh, a death knell for Frias. So okay, so if we do math here, but ninety days means that that would mean in theory it would, they would need to wait 90 days to be doing these assessments and then once it's once it's accepted you'd be doing assessments the they gave us an, a four-month window for frias three months from now is july if they cannot start doing these assessments until july and we're expected to have frias by september the math doesn't really work out does it mm -hmm. and isn't it interesting that uh we've been trying to get uh, seven questions answered uh since February, and uh, last night we got uh, answers, uh, and one of which uh, was we've already started uh, uh, reviewing uh, applications. No, notice it, the phrase was reviewing, not proving, because sure. one of it sounds like one of the requirements is now going to be this uh, uh, FRIA PEA. Yeah. So real so, quick, Dave, a uh, great question by XGen in the chat and something we've discussed a while ago we haven't talked about recently. Do we really believe that stage two of remote ID will come in September? Do we think there'll be a delay? Yeah. And we think well, from what we've heard, that. yeah, from what we've heard, there's there's no expected delay uh, at, at all. We expect it to come into effect. Yep. As Admiral Farragut would say damn the torpedoes full speed ahead 
Yeah, I don't think there's I don't think the FAA is worried about free of not being available when a remote ID comes into effect. You know, agreed. I mean? Yeah, and if you look at the numbers, they um, we have uh, been very vocal that the the FAA's estimate of four thousand, which is cited repeatedly in this document, um, is woefully inadequate. And so their view of well, you know. If, they, if they're only four thousand, is you know, it's really not that big a deal. It's you know, and in this document, they even cite their own uh, numbers of one point five million uh, UAS uh, operators. So the numbers do not add up. It doesn't. You know, the if you're thinking, okay, well, a free is a, a viable alternative for remote ID. You know, do the numbers. It does not work, and yes, it does good. in this document. They are trying to get AMA fields approved, and that's about it. Yeah, XJet says, so that'll ground all the AMA members who are relying on FRIA status if they're not, they don't have FRIA status by September. And I think that will probably be the case. I think the AMA is going to push as hard as they can to get these done. But I mean, if there needs to be an assessment for each of these fields and they have to work with each of these individual people and based on the timelines we've heard and how long this is going to take to come into effect, I mean, I just don't. I don't see this happening and I don't see a delay from what we've heard. I mean, who knows that could change. Yeah. And the AMA is going to be pushing real hard. You better believe the AMA is going to be pushing real hard for that to, you know, be done. Right. I think the, the, the AMA's, um, you know, a prudent, a prudent person's approach would be, we've done everything humanly possible to comply. We're going to continue our safe activities at our fields. And you know, yeah. th- that's what I would, and I'm not you know, suggesting that this is what they are going to say, but to me, that would be a prudent response from the, uh, from the AMA. And again, let's think of the numbers, 100,000 AMA members, 1.5 million small UAS operators in the United States. So while the AMA is an important organization, it's a, it's a small percentage of the total. And that's a, a fact that as you look through this PEA, uh, free a document again and again and again. You know, they conflate uh, AMA with all uh, recreational uh, small UAS, and it is absolutely not the case. So back yeah. on the topic of us asking the, AFA, uh, the FAA some questions that they finally got around to answering, I was really frustrated by the answer to the first question, uh, which just you know, made it difficult to read the rest of the email. But we had asked them for an API, an application programming interface for the free application so that we could take data out of our database and create freer requests without a, a human having to go through a web browser and load the web page and fill out all the forms, right? So that it would be nice and automated and we could make it um, not waste a whole bunch of people's time. And their response was, well, we can't give you access to, the, to an API. Well, first they said there was no such thing as an API. And then I pointed out that you can look at their source on their web page, and it has the API parts of it right in there. Uh, but, but then they said, well, we can't give you access to the API for privacy and security reasons, which if anybody knows anything about programming and using an API, yeah, it's totally like, that's BS. absolutely yeah. untrue and just yeah. total BS, yeah. like Blunty said. And Literally part of the point is like, yeah, t- part of the point is that you can generate keys for people, and you're you're accessing the API through an interface. And yeah, I mean, it's like it's ridiculous. I, I think the person writing yeah, the answer spent... had no idea what the question was and was just told to write something. And I was gonna say, right. I, say no, right? Just say no. Yes. Say, find a way to say no. Yes, exactly. 
So if we really do want to submit free applications, I may just have to continue with my reverse engineering efforts and, and prove them wrong anyway. But yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. Uh, DFWFPB has up... asked, uh, <laughs> did y'all, did y'all catch the QA from Sun and the Fun? Wasn't too much there. I assume the QA is question and answer and not quality assurance, yeah, but he, in either case, he the posted some the videos. Is, I did not. He posted a, a quick video, at least the one I saw of, uh, Kevin Morse, uh, speaking. And then he asked him a few questions and Kevin politically answered with no answer to everything he asked. Pretty much, if I got mm -hmm. that right. Okay. <laughs> DFW, FPV, Brian, is that a, a good summary? Yeah. It, it was typical Kevin okay. Kevin answering questions. Yeah. So we have an opportunity tomorrow to talk to the FAA, and we'll bring up the, these questions again. Uh, notably, the one that just asked, you know, Dan mentioned it, and that one just there were a couple that really galled me, but that was one that was like, wow, <laughs> they went there. They just said it. <laughs> oh, yeah, this, this is, it's getting, it's getting hard. Um, uh, they also, what was it? They said that they never said that it was going to take them four months to, uh, uh, to process a free application. And that of course is uh, what they, is what they said. We had multiple folks on the call. Um, and so that's unfortunate when we now get into a denial of, uh, ever saying something that's, uh, is not a good state of the, uh, of the relationship. Yeah, uh, and we continue, we continue to pursue the, uh, 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 safety guidelines for the FPVFC, uh, as I, we, as I think we mentioned, and, uh, we posted those right, Dan, yeah. uh, what the, uh, We've been transparent about what the uh, the FAA came back and said that uh, they we needed to uh, enhance our um, night uh, night operations and uh, we we needed to uh, add a section on FPV uh, racing, which of course we already had. Um, so we worked to in, increase those, and then the uh, FAA's comeback was well, while we were looking at the rest of your. Um, safety guidelines we've got some additional changes so we're absolutely at a case where the uh, the faa is um, uh, adding regulations via an advisory circular that's the point we've been on and we're uh, we're digging in a bit uh, on that point and they basically and so told we're, us uh, that if we don't do what they ask we will probably not continue being well we won't continue to be able to work with them or whatever words they chose, but basically you're not a CBO anymore if you can't make our demands to change your safety guidelines. Okay. And um, yeah. so I so as... created a whole story about this and stuck it in the that uh, blog post we've got on our website with some background and exactly what the email said that they asked us to change. Right. So this is in an, in an effort for uh, transparency and Thank you, Dan. This is a lot of extra uh, headache to to document this in this much excruciating detail. Um, but it, you know, if you're wondering, well, what are the guys at FPVFC doing when they're talking to the FAA? It's this level of back and forth and back and forth that's that's unfortunately uh, the norm, and, and that's uh, that's what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, X Jet's point flying to those 
you're trying to influence and regulate is not the way to gather their their respect yeah or trust yeah couldn't agree more yeah they're the, the faa is not doing anything to help their reputation in any of what they've done lately that's for sure they're they're yeah. going the wrong direction at least with yeah. our community and if you listen yeah, to that, that congressional was... thing too it's like it's not just us it's it's google wing it's uh people in alaska it's everybody is just very harsh on the faa right now yeah 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 just so i i, I don't go ahead Bunty. i just want to say just to be ultimately clear about the, the safety guidelines thing before we get to cap that off i think our where we're at is just generally saying like uh you know, we'll accept a few of these changes. This, a few of them seem reasonable enough that we were okay with changing them. A large portion of them we're not okay with, and we we stated as much. We explained why we're not okay with them, and uh, you know, we're going to be going back and submitting another round to them again with those small amount of changes um, and most of the rejections not included, and then we'll basically play it out and see you know see how it goes. But I think at this point. We're not interested in making overarching rules through our safety guidelines because they're not interested in going through the proper rulemaking process. And I just I think we should be clear about that. You know, like we're not we're not interested in quoting the AC as rule so that they can forcibly add regulations to our members uh, who want to fly under our guidelines. Uh, yeah, and we're going to do the best we can to fight against that. Yeah, some of the other things we're saying trying to say no to are anti-collision lights and um yeah. orientation lights uh having large setbacks for say tiny whip races uh things that just don't yeah they're just sense. burdens nets. That are, and they're, net nets are a good suggestion yeah they're right for a tiny they're essentially they're essentially opinion right and unfortunately like for them like we are not interested in taking their opinion as fact in a room a rule document because we're essentially making rules through cbo regulation like cbo guidelines so yeah, we're trying to use facts and what's required through the rules and as little regulation as possible that we're introducing through our documents, you know, so right. that's the point. Yeah, and if it's if it's written in 44809, which is statute, which is the law, that, that yes. we respect and that has, is absolutely reflected in our safety guidelines explicitly and, yeah. and we'll, we'll continue to be. 50 grand tiny rooms. <laughs> 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 yeah man yeah and bruce even put out uh, a video this week showing how dangerous flying tiny whoops into piles of lo logs are um so it's clearly you know yeah. something we don't want people doing in their own front yard yeah <laughs> well let's see what else do we got yeah. this week um is the when's the next aaac meeting coming up dave April 26. Okay, and this one was, so we were expecting uh, out, it to be earlier this year, but they held off on May it. May March, March, March 20, and then they dropped it in. Yep. And the AAC so, is? The Ad, Advanced Aviation Advisory Committee, formerly the Drone Advisory Committee. It is the FAA's uh, FACA, or Federal Advisory Committee. For which we are still not so official just, members, despite applying over and over again. Is that right? Right, and being and being more more active and more of a, an active participants than many of the members of the uh, of the act. Well, why give us any recognition if we do all the work for free? That's it. 
without yeah without a uh, without an ability to vote. Extra yeah. asks how many recreational members are on the ACK. Uh, <laughs> now the zero. The, zero. Uh, there was the yeah. AMA was on uh, the ACK, and then they were uh, when the uh, when DJI and several other organizations were uh, asked to. Uh, stop what are you know how are their their not membership ter- ended not renewed would be uh, probably the most political way to say it uh the ama's uh, um, membership ceased and that was uh like 2020 well they had to make room for all these ama or ama companies these air, air, AAM. air mobility companies to join yeah yeah they added seven seats and uh for the aaam advanced air mobility and uh, uh, none of them went to recreational. So we've made it very clear that the largest cohort by far, by an order of magnitude, is recreational. And there is no representation on the on the ACK. Uh, yep. So, yeah. So that and the, that's the reason why we've asked folks to send letters to uh, to Congress, because that's going to you know the organization that has the budget as well as the mandates uh, for the FAA. And that's what the whole, um, you know, raise the limit uh, campaign is all about. That's what the, uh, the memo that we've uh, sent to uh, the uh, House Subcommittee on Aviation and the Senate uh, Subcommittee on Aviation. Uh, both, they're both uh, this, uh, this pass. It is a bicarmel and bipartisan piece of legislation. So we anticipate two bills that will then have to be reconciled in conference. Do we expect to get any response from our mess or our <clears throat> submission of that? Um, have we gotten any email just saying, "Yeah, we received we it"? Have, we don't. No. None. Nothing. Nothing. You know, and and if we do get a response, great. But uh, we we do not expect any uh, response. They're getting to know us, though. I think we're uh, we're gaining a reputation. Whether that's uh, a good thing or a bad thing, well, remains to be seen. Let's see. Well, oh, so the meeting with the uh, tomorrow with the FAA is a uh, under we are. It's our understanding a recurring uh, CBO and FAA meeting. It is um, hosted by the outreach organization. So effectively, what is um, akin to a communications uh, or a PR uh, organization uh, within the FAA. And uh, the other, all four CBOs, AMA, the uh, STEM uh, C, uh, Flight Test Community Association, and FPV Freedom Coalition will all, are all invited. And right. I'm seeing a couple of couple of notes here, and thanks um, uh, to everyone who has sent in notes uh, and. Uh, a word on that, um, uh, Dan and Blunty and Alex put together uh, a great video to try to uh, keep that uh, momentum going. Thank you for those uh, who have sent in memos. And if you, uh, we've also had a number of uh, folks uh, who's normally it's a congressional representative staff that have come back to them and said, hey, I got a couple questions and we're available uh, in any way that you like, whether it's to, to be on the phone with you or to answer specific specific questions, or to uh, to add further depth in terms of what it is on a specific area. Happy to help in whatever way. 
electrodes are not a real, hence most won't care. Uh, yeah, that's, but, uh, yeah. Not, it's not, not that, you know, we anticipate that the, in the last, uh, so one of the comments here, uh, drones are not a re-election issue, uh, hence most won't care. Um, the last uh, reauthorization uh, bill in the Senate passed 100 to zero. Uh, and there were elements in it that uh, we strongly disagreed with, but uh, went through, of course. Anyway, um, so we'll uh, yeah, we'll see uh, if uh, the 118th Congress uh, can uh, uh, vote on this in, in a very uh, strong way, or will they make a a case out of it? We'll see. It Washington really is a crazy place right really now. It seems like if some of the staffers who are writing this get something into it then it has a good chance of sticking around and getting approved or at least uh, agreed and, about it agreed and as we've said the staffers that we've spoken to are super articulate they know the 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 aviation regulation and they were empathetic to listening uh, and talking to us about uh, model aviation so um, you know uh, that's uh, obviously the backbone of uh, our congressional structure is smart staffers. Well, let's hope they get it in there. Okay. Yes. So anything else from uh, around the room or for those listening? Any questions, comments? Covered that's everything I, I was thinking about that we wanted to cover this week. Okay. Rob, got any good stories for us to tell? Oh, he's on mute. You're on mute again. <laughs> You're on mute again. Oh, and he didn't even hang yeah, out. This there time. he is. Wrong I'm learning Discord as I go here. So, uh, the only really exciting thing we have on our side this week the uh, Florida Senate committee hearing. I don't know if any of y'all followed that or listened to that. Uh, essentially, yeah. um, Florida outlawed all drones manufactured in China, um, which was a big hit to their public safety entities, their fire, their police, their EMS, their natural disasters, hurricane response, universities, you name it. Uh, so anyways, uh, I'll, I'll put the link in the, uh, in the chat. Uh, it's yeah. a rather lengthy thing, but if you go to around 45 minutes, 45 to 55 minutes is a pretty good run. Uh, but they absolutely uh, ripped apart um, the DMS secretary. So um, it was actually... A, yeah, I saw... I saw that clip. That that was a, a absolutely scathing, uh, um, or not, and uh, of that uh, the DMS uh, individual. That was uh, unbelievable. Um, yeah, and and the, I was yeah, I actually after watching that, I was very optimistic, and it kind of it kind of gives me encouragement, even with our initiative here, uh, with the raising the limit and with the free stuff, and. Uh, with all the things that we're pushing, because here a, a group of people banded together and they stood up and they worked together, and you know now the the, the Senate's saying, "Hey, we're going to fix this." So it's it's so, very encouraging. It, so is this sorry? state Florida State Senate or is this federal? It's going to be state. Okay. Yeah, this, okay. this is all state level. All right. So right now, is it that they the Florida passed legislation that? Um, Public safety cannot use or cannot procure any new. Cannot use, period. So essentially, yeah, it, it's essentially all the things that they owned and were legally using. Were they grounded. So, 
So about 60% of the, the public safety agencies there said, you know, come and take it, you know, and wave the flag with the drone on it, you know, proverbially speaking, and um, continued operations and the others were compliant. So it's just, it's been a big problem for, for the universities and the public safety entities in, uh, in Florida. Absolutely. I just want to mention, I think that it isn't just China. It's like they have to use blue SUAS, right? Which is like yeah, correct. I mean, quite a so, larger, quite a quite a larger burden you couldn't even than just saying thing. like. You, well, again, yeah, I think, the, you, yeah. I think the, the radio, the the video, the flight yeah. controller, any of that can't be from components from China. The the Texas right, legislation I think can, that they just yeah. proposed is actually saying Syria, Russia, or China, um, and yeah. we're hoping that doesn't pass. But it's it's on the books right now. Yeah. I think you can make. I think you can file a form to make a built drone, blue SUAS, uh, by having all parts from U.S. retailers, like not U.S. retailers, but U.S. manufacturer. Which I don't. Which is then you have to go through. I think it's almost through impossible through at this point. Yeah. An approval process. Right. Yeah. So it's not. You know, it. You can't get. You know, just say, okay, I've done it. I've assembled this. Uh, uh, this drone. I've done it myself. Uh, I I declare that I'm blue. It's a no, 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 no. This is a DOD program. Yeah. Yep. Wow, that would be terrible uh, yeah. for search and rescue teams and all kinds of stuff. Just... It's a night. I'm sure it's a nightmare for most of these guys. Yeah. 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 Just same thing. California is following suit. The major there, there's two major manufacturers that have hired lobbyists that are U.S. manufacturers of blue products and. There is there is proposed laws in most of the states right now trying to outlaw because that's the thing if you can legislate your way into the market then you're going to have the market. Yeah, it's as if it's a security thing. Do they really think the Chinese made motors are spying on the USA? <laughs> that's what I, I said. Mean, I what can't... about what about these? Yeah. What, about, what about our our cell phones and iPhones and laptops and yeah. vehicle computers? That's what, that, yeah. that's Wait, what that that's balloon was flying over the United States. It was listening to the sounds from the motors to transmit that back to China. Yeah, yeah, it's a free. Yeah. <laughs> They're encoding signals in the motors. Yeah. I wonder if it was broadcasting remote ID. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. Good. Good, good discussion. So, sort of a crazy week. Um, we've got a couple of things cooking with uh, the FAA, and uh, we'll keep at it. And uh, other than that, any other questions uh, uh, from guys, uh, from Rob, Blunty, uh, Dan, or anyone uh, listening in? No. Great. Hey, no, remote ID shy. will fix everything. Yeah. Yeah, remote ID, yeah. Hmm, <laughs> hmm, climate uh, change. Well, we can answer real quick. Uh, Dan responded in chat, but somebody was asking about where's BVLOS at, or uh, specifically shielded where Ops. Shielded Operations at. Yeah. And then I think they're just wondering where it's at in process and what we think will happen with Shielded Operations moving forward, and do we have a chance to get Shielded Operations, those kind of things. Who was it that told? Oh, so Dan and I heard a very different story from two the CBO guys yep, um, meeting with the and they said oh they said oh we're working on uh, uh activity of shielded ops now what they were working on we're pretty sure had to do with uh part 107 which is the only thing it could really be that they're working on however um in the discussions that we've had with uh, 
the congressional staffers, their reaction was, oh, yeah, that, that's not going to happen. And that, their opinion uh, corresponds with the view that we have had coming out of the Beyond Visual Line of Sight uh, Beyond Visual Line of Sight Aviation Rulemaking Committee, um, AOPA, ALPA, HAI got together and went to Congress in the, as a block. And um, one of the things that they uh, were very negative on was shielded operations, which is terribly unfortunate uh, because we met with representatives from those organizations and had good agreement on uh, flight requirements under 400 feet. Uh, and the uh, Helicopter Association International uh, folks do have a lot of operations under 400 feet. And what we were asking is if they fly under 400 feet, that they squawk uh, ADSB. And we further wanted them to have, if, if they chose to not squawk ADSB, then we wanted the, the that aircraft to have the responsibility to yield right away. And their response to that was, no way, never, not going to happen. And so they, that, uh, they, they took that very, very seriously. So that was unfortunate because that was a recommendation coming out of the ARC. So where is that? Now, interestingly, we have heard yet another contradictory comment coming out of uh, FAA Integration Office that there are a number of uh, work items having to do with beyond visual line of sight. So, or I'm sorry, with shielded operations. So uh, we don't think it's um, uh, going to happen anytime soon. It makes a ton of common sense. Um, uh, and th this is the reason we we chose the uh, raising the lower bound to, to, from 250 grams up to one kilogram. We felt it was uh, doable, and we thought it had would have dramatic positive effect uh, to remote ID. Yeah, so on shielded ops, don't get your hopes up. It's not happening anytime soon. But if, if you want a, to put some positive spin on it, the FAA is talking about it. More and more FAA employees have at least heard of it and know what it is. So it seems like it's making some progress. I'm sure it's really slow, and I'm not sure which direction the progress is in, but it's making some progress. Yeah, it's being socialized. Very good point. Yeah, and and we were able to make it an absolute recurring point in the BV Loss Arc document, and that's you know so that it's being talked again and again and again, and that's that is absolutely a positive. Any other All questions right. came pop, popping up? All right. Apologies for the uh, crazy uh, video on my uh, my end once again. It wouldn't I be keep, a, a uh, meeting without it. So that's it. I keep up my record. All right. Thank you. Right. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thank you very much.